My name is Mike. I'm a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's pretty hard for me to move through 34 years of life in five minutes, and so I'm going to move through it pretty quick. I was born in 1988. Both my parents were addicts and alcoholics. Um, we lived in like a Section 8 housing, big apartment unit with a bunch of other low-income families. Uh, my parents were always fighting. Uh, there was always a lot of worry about, you know, there being enough money for rent or for food. Um, my first drink of alcohol was at three years old. Uh, my grandpa would get off work and I would run to the fridge and grab him a beer and he'd give me a little sip off of it, <clears throat> you know? So I grew up seeing all these things and, and I thought all these things were normal, you know? And so I tried to practice all those principles in all my affairs, you know, and become the best version of those things that I could because I thought it was normal, you know? I thought that's who I was supposed to be, not realizing that, you know, God had created me in his image and he'd already made me perfect and already called me his own. Um, you know, so I went through my, my youth not knowing those things. Um, as you can tell, you probably can't tell by my pale skin that I'm Native American. Um, so I grew up fighting a lot. You know, I was always too white to be Native and too Native to be white, um, which got me in even more trouble in school, getting kicked out of school. I would bring cigarettes to school, alcohol to school, you know, in middle school. Um, my the first time I did meth was 14 years old. It was with my dad. It was like our first real bonding experience. Um, I got put on juvenile probation at 14 years old. Um, ended up going to treatment at 14. That's where my first heartbreak came in. Um, this gal I was dating, um, she's my first sexual partner also, but this girl I was dating ended up overdosing on pills and died. So my addiction really spiraled out of control. Um, when I was 17 years old, my best friend, um, overdosed and died. We were at a party and we were doing um, pills, snorting pills, and, you know, we just started falling out. And, uh, you know, this is just how self-centered and self-seeking I am in my addiction. You know, I took him into the bedroom and, you know, got him comfortable so he could go to sleep and um, he never woke up. I was the last person to physically see him alive. Um, I ended up absorbing his drug dealers and by the time I was 18, within a year, I was in federal prison. Um, I went to federal prison for five years on the West Coast, and it was, it was a real culture shock for me. I was really scared, you know, I was 18 years old, and I remember thinking, you know, this is it. You know, I'm not, I'm not ever gonna do this again. I'm never gonna be in this position again. And I got out of prison, you know, and, and, and life was pretty good. You know, I became a certified welder. Um, I had ended up having three kids. You know, I had it all. I had a career, I had a house, I had cars. I mean, I had it all. And I did what a lot of us do in our addiction when things start getting good. You know, I, I let that lie, that addiction that our lie, that lie that our addiction tells us that, you know, we're different from other addicts and alcoholics and it's okay to have a drink, you know? And so I told myself I could have a cold beer on a hot day and I can't, I'm an addict and an alcoholic, you know? So once I put that drink in my body, you know, the mental, mental obsession kicked in and then the phenomenon of craving and it was all over, you know. Within six months, I was shooting meth and heroin again. Um, and then, you know, when, when I got to that point, I didn't even want to be alive anymore. You know, I had failed so many times in my life, I started to believe that I was a failure. Um, you know, I was homeless on the streets. I had nothing. I lost my entire family. Um, I knew I needed help. So I figured I'd try treatment again. I, my solution was to steal a car, rob the dope man, and, and head to a treatment center that was out of, out of town for a geographical change, you know? And so I did that. 
But when I got out of treatment, um, all I had was a, a stolen car that was full of dope, you know, and so I relapsed. But what was significant about that is I met a young man in treatment and uh, he brought me back to it. We ended up running into each other after all that. And uh, he brought me to his mom's house and it was like 3.30 in the morning and we're all spun out. And his mom wakes up and comes out. And so I think we're cooked, you know, I think that I'm gonna have to leave. And she comes in and says, you know, are you gonna steal from me? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, are you gonna lie to me? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, did you know that you're a precious child of God? And it floored me, you know, it was like a kick in the chest. I just started sobbing and I was like, no, you know, like, why, why are you, why are you saying this to me? And she goes, because your life wasn't supposed to be like this. She said, come inside, you know, and for the next few weeks, she just continued to speak life into me, you know, like read me things out of the Bible. And, and eventually she asked me, she said, are you willing to go to treatment again? And I said, you know, there's no treatment centers around here that are gonna take me. I've been to treatment so many times and failed. And she said, I'll pay for it out of pocket. You know, and I was, I was like, you're crazy. And she says, no, you know, your life was never supposed to be like this. And that's, that's when I really said, you know what, I'm in. You know, that was the moment where I could not deny God's love and God's grace. You know, this, this woman was deciding to be, a, I was a complete stranger. She knew me for maybe two months and she decided to pay thousands and thousands of dollars out of her own pocket to help save my life. You know, that was the moment where I could not deny God's love and grace. And I knew that he had something bigger and better for me than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I wanted to know what it was. And so I said, yes, and I went to treatment. You know, I got out of treatment. I was, I was sober for a year and I got out and I still wasn't working a program. And uh, I relapsed, you know, and I, I hated myself more than I ever hated myself. And, and the same woman came beside me and said, I tell you what, let's start going to meetings. And that's what, that's what ended up saving my life. You know, I started uh, going to AA and I stuck around and I got myself a sponsor and I started working the steps and I started doing the things that were suggested. And I started practicing those principles in all my affairs and my life got better. You know, and today I get to carry a message. Today I get to come along other addicts and alcoholics and give them what was so freely given to me. And you know, that's what I love about Recovery Church, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous says a God of our own understanding. And what I love about Recovery Church is it gives credit where credit's due. That God of our own understanding is God, and may you find him now, you know. People need to know that Jesus laid down on the cross for them, you know, and he bought every sin, every burden, every flaw, you know, and he did that because he loved them, you know. And Recovery Church gives me an avenue to come alongside people and say, hey, it's all right. God loves you. You're a precious child of God. I love you. It's going to be okay. You know, I've been through some of those same things and, and look at me now, you know, it's a privilege to be a light in dark places. I'm grateful to be alive and sober today. Thanks.